Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesia Mukes. And below us, we have your boy, my boy, and everybody's boy, AJ Johnson. It is a beautiful October 13th morning here in the city. Episode 99 is upon mm. us. And week six is right around the corner. Uh, we've got some game previews this morning, uh, including the NFC matchups like the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. And so much more. It is quite unfortunate that we have to start this week off by having to sit through the commanders against the Bears. But we have to do it. It is a part of our job. And uh, we enjoy the punishment. Aaron, how goes it this morning? It goes, big dog. I'm ready. AJ back on the show, ready to light his ass up, you know, teach him a few Me? things. That's what I do. That's what I do. It's pretty bright in here. I'm, I'm good. I don't, I'm not really worried about <laughs> you coming this um, way. Not... Oh, oh, he, he, you uh, good? I was like, damn, was it a double? I froze was for a minute. A and you... No, no, I froze for a minute. You guys were talking, so I just let it go. But I am excited about Thursday night football. Um, but I'm also excited about. The, the commanders and the bears, but mostly just the high school football that I'll be covering tonight because again, <laughs> it is the commanders and the bears. So uh, yeah. high school football or watching commanders bears. It's the same thing. Oh, for, like, the same, <laughs> no, it's not really. Um, I would probably take some of the high school football teams down here in South Georgia over mm. the bears or the commanders. I'm, I'm not, you know, obviously that's a joke. That's a huge, is it really, is it, is it really a difference between, Old ass Vilas Jones and Nye, <laughs> Nye Sanders, who plays on Colquitt County. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They're they're about the same person. One Show me that man's birth. Years younger. Show me that man's birth certificate. Show yeah, me. That I, man's wanna, birth I really do want to see Vilas Jones' birth certificate. I don't really believe it. I don't believe it. I think he's about eighty. Uh, no, but guy from the bench warmers. It, it is going to be. It is going to be football. So I love that yep. NFL football is always great. I don't care what the two teams are. Despite as much shit as we talk about that Broncos. And Colts game. Mm. It's going to get worse. We all no. sat through it. And we all watched it. We didn't turn it off. We kept watching until the end because it went to well, overtime. And then all we so did was criticize the game. But we all watched it. Well, well, and why are you playing? The Bears The Bears, and Commanders are damn near on the same level. They may get a good game out of it because of how close they are in, like, in true. standings and talent. So I like, maybe I like that outlook. Sloppy. But you know, if either way, game, either way, it's football's on today. We can't complain. And the the thing is, is with it, AJ, like you said, if they're on the same level, so what we what we watch should be expected. What we watch from the Colts and Broncos that wasn't expected. What we've seen from other Thursday night football well, games. What, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. That, 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 those no, two teams were on the same level as well. They were no, just no, both but, shit. But yeah, we expected more from both those teams. We did not get it. We expect shit from the our, our, the bar's already low right now for the Bears. Yeah, commanders. there you go. Right. So you're, you're so full at. of shit, Vinny. Yeah, because you what? had already said the Broncos weren't shit, so you didn't expect anything from them. Also, also accurate. Also accurate. All right, well, we've got some games to preview. We've got headlines. We've got uh, an injury report. Let's get down to it, ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
It's time for some Thursday morning headlines, starting things off with the Devontae Adams news. Uh, he has been charged with a city ordinance violation, which is lower than a state misdemeanor assault charge. It carries a fine of up to $1,000 or up to 180 days in jail or potentially both. Uh, this Devontae Adams situation is not done yet. It will linger and it will linger and it will linger because there has to be drama. And there has to be stink somewhere in the NFL, whether you like it or not. It is there. There's no need to go into it any further than that. Uh, I think we've all stated our opinions on the matter. Just wanted to drop that little nug out there. Uh, another nug that we'll just touch on but not get into. Uh, we talked about the roughing the passer calls from Sunday and Monday. The league plans to stand pat on roughing the passer rules as expected, as we talked about yesterday, saying, quote, uh, there's no backing down on enforcing the rules that are in place to protect the health and safety of players, including quarterbacks, who by rule are considered defenseless players when they are in a passing posture. Technically, roughing the passers, the roughing the passer penalties are actually down this season. Uh, through five weeks last year, it was 51. Through five weeks this year, it's 28. So it's better than last year in terms of like the statistics of it, but the the harshness of certain calls is what stands out the most. The league plans to stand pat, uh, like Aaron, you suggested yesterday. Uh, two other notes. I, I, I'm let, I'm, step in if you guys wanted to jump in on any of this. Preferably no, no, not. No, no. There's you're no good. need you're good. to. You're good. I do have something that's not in the morning headlines that I'll get to after the morning headlines, but. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So two other notes, though. Uh, and this is a scheduling note. Uh, baseball is happening. That's a thing. The playoffs are going down. It's been It's been fun to watch, by the way. Um, but the Seattle Mariners are taking on the Houston Astros. And if their series reaches a game four, it will be played Sunday, causing the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals game uh, to move from a 4.05 kickoff to a 5.30 kickoff. So uh, if the, those two teams play tonight uh, in terms of the Mariners and Astros, uh, so we could see, we, we should expect or be on the lookout to see if that game go, or that series goes to four games if that's the case the cardinals seahawks will be at 5 30 and last bit of nug and news here uh the los angeles rams and sean mcveigh have not ruled out a reunion uh with odell beckham jr they say that there are they have not sent their last offer uh to the free agent wide receiver so and with the team that we all talk about how they need to kind of find something on offense other than cooper cup Odell Beckham Jr. might be the answer there. Uh, they say, though, that they're, they have not sent their last contract offer to OBJ. Aaron, what's your little nug? Well, first of all, that's so stupid. Stop playing possum. Just offer the man some money or not. Like, I, it's so annoying. It's, it's so I don't annoying. think they were going to until he got loud. Yeah, the they timer. were. Yeah, they were. They they were always they, look at their team. I mean, they need them. They need something. Yeah, I think they, they, they were going to always that's offer That's why he went public playing. with it. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing a game, and it's so it's stupid. It's the it's it's dumb. Just offer the man his money, or don't. Um, but I I think it's only fitting that we talk a little bit at least about this whole Daniel Snyder can blow up the NFL thing that's come out. Um, there's been a lot of talk this offseason about maybe pushing Daniel Snyder, the owner, out out of Washington, and. There's been reports this morning and last night that Daniel Snyder has told staff members if they try to do anything, he would blow up the NFL in a way that he has dirt on everything and everybody, which I kind of believe. I believe him. 
I it's can't like the, believe it. It's it's like the it's like the Jimbo Fisher thing when when the whole thing with him and Nick Saban were going on. He's like, go check that man's closet. There's a lot of skeletons in there that you can mm. dig up or whatever. That's kind of what it is right now with Dan. Snyder. Yeah, but the difference is Dan Snyder has been a huge influence in in the NFL. He's one of the richest owners. Um, you know, <laughs> it'd be like Jerry Jones coming out and saying that you're gonna take a little bit of like, okay, damn, maybe he does. Um, as somebody that's just watching from the outside, obviously the NFL would know more, but from watching from the outside, it would not shock me if there are things Dan Snyder has emails, uh, phone conversations, things that could derail the NFL a little bit. And I'm not saying he would demolish it to where there'd be no NFL or call people out, but I do think there's probably a little substance to that. Um, the, The fact that he's making the threats is interesting because it means he's feeling the pressure. It means he's starting to see that he, he may not have much longer as an owner. Um, and I do think that's an interesting conversation we're going to have to look at, especially as bad as Washington been over the next, uh, you know, this next offseason. I, I do like the quote that is reportedly floating around there that the commanders have denied him saying this. Uh, but it's funny that the people are reporting this um, senior writer for ESPN, Don Van Nada, reported saying Dan Snyder has allegedly said privately uh, the NFL can't fuck with me. Yes. That's, that's the quote that's going around that. I, I didn't know. Honestly, I had, I had heard nothing of it. Like I, this is oh, in my, in yeah. my rounds. I did not really hear that much of this. It came out um, last night and it really kind of got going this morning when they released that quote, but that he's basically at least to somewhere, some source has saying that he's telling people I have so much on the NFL that they can't, they can't mess with. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that news as well as the rest of the headlines in the NFL. It is now time, though, to get jiggy with it. It's time for the injury report. I spend all day talking on this show and I have to do my breathing exercises for the injury report because it's so yeah. long and I don't want to run you, out you of can pa- You can pass some of it off to AJ if you want. You guys can go back and... <laughs> Carson Wentz. Carson Turd Wentz. The Turd Burger. Turd Burger. Uh, he's dealing with some strained bicep tendon all of a sudden now that he's not very good. Um, and his throwing shoulders. But he is going to play tonight. I think this is just setting setting it up perfectly for eventually Carson Wentz to be replaced. Um, Jahan Dotson is also out tonight with a hamstring injury. And Logan Thomas will also be gone with that calf injury. And then William Jackson on the defensive side of the ball with the back injury. He is going to be out. Um, so they're going to look to some more of Daimi Brown. And, you know, two catches, two touchdowns, and that's, that's what Daimi is. So uh, if you got him in your fantasy league, good luck. Um, Chiefs first-rounder <laughs> Trent McDuffie returned to practice for the first time since coming off IR. More help coming the, coming the way of the Kansas City Chiefs in that secondary. Um, you guys know how much I love Trent McDuffie. So he might play on Sunday. We will see. Um, Tredavious White also returned to practice. So now he has uh, – they re- lifted him off IR or designated him to return. So they have the 21-day window uh practice to practice now and can activate him um at any point during that time but it doesn't look like he'll play this week um david ojabo returned to practice him and tyus bowser but david ojabo the big name there returned to practice we obviously know what happened with the achilles injury at the workout uh, where we were pretty high on him so more pass rushing help could be on the way for the baltimore ravens dak prescott was off to the side of practice. We know his hand. He doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday. It looks like it's going to be Cooper Rush. Um, 
great. The receiver says he's got his power back. He's obviously not ready to go because if he was, I think they would have already ruled him in. Um, so it looks like Cooper Rush on Sunday against the Eagles, which is unfortunate because I wanted to see a, a full head-to-head, 100% matchup between those two. Kyle Pitts looks to be back and looks to play on Sunday against the Niners. Jameis Winston did, who did not practice for our wonderful Wednesdays that we always talk about. Um, Cooper Cup. Aaron Donald, just precautionary stuff. Obviously, I think they're going to be okay to go. Um, Jonathan Taylor, he's had that ankle injury. Who knows if he's going to be able to go? Uh, you should have just listed that as the New Orleans Saints wide receivers because they're all, they got a toe, a f- concussion, an ankle. <laughs> um, you know, I Marshawn Lattimore is also out with an abdomen, didn't practice an Aaron Rodgers with the thumb. I don't think there's anything there. But I did want to, I did want to ask you guys about the Saints wide receiver. Michael Thomas. And I think we're starting to get to the point where we kind of need to bring back that conversation Um, because there's a chance he plays this week, they said, but now it's a toe injury. Um, Are you guys in? Are you guys in yet? Are you in yet? Are you in yet on on just being done with Michael Thomas? I'm I'm waiting. I, I want I want somebody to acknowledge that. Damn, Aaron, this is what you were saying. And I'm, I don't even want a victory lap. I just want to understand like where everybody's at with Michael Thomas. First of all, don't lie to our faces here. You want a victory lap. <laughs> second of all. Slow, two miles se- an hour. <laughs> yeah, se- second of all, I uh, it's it's with, with Michael Thomas, I am it's I, I'm bummed out. You know, I thought like it was never about the injuries of Michael. We we thought he'd come back. And he'd be a good player. He's a good player, but he's Julio Jones now. He's Julio Jones. He just can't stay on the field. He just cannot stay on the field. I'm bummed I'm out. Like, I'm emotional. Can't, why can't you just say it? <laughs> say just what? say it. Like, every, what do you, what do you want whole, me to say? You Write it in the script for thought, me, please. Write thought, it in the script. No, you thought. The Saints fans thought. The people that wanted it to happen thought. Here, here Not everybody the thought. Lab. Here comes the Man, victory lap. Still... It's not a victory lap. I just want you to understand that Michael Thomas, number one, and, and I'm not trying to compare him to Allen Robinson. He'll be better than Allen Robinson. But Michael Thomas was never a guy that was a burner. You're a bigger receiver. You start to have injuries. What happens? You can't separate from guys. So you can't be as effective as you were before. This is what's happened to Allen Robinson. This is what happened to Julio Jones. This is what's happening to Michael Thomas. Can he come in and be effective? Sure. But we were, talk- we were talking about Michael Thomas getting back to 2019 form, 1,800 yards, doing that. That was never going to happen, and people still had hope. And we just need to acknowledge it. We just need to acknowledge Michael Thomas for what he is. He's a 5-for-60 kind of guy, and if he gets in the touchdown or in the end zone, great. He's not that guy that's going to go for 140 yards anymore. Like, it's not him. It's not who he is. Let's just acknowledge it. I'm not going. I mean, I'm not going to say. I know you have for hope for everybody. That's that's not even where I'm at. But like, it's it's his first season back, and yes, he's been injured for a couple of weeks. But injuries are part of football; it's a contact sport. So we've seen it for two games. Like, I, that's my the, point. That's the whole point. There's twelve weeks left. Like, I'm, oh who's, my who's to say he's not going to come out? And sure, he may get hurt again. If he's going to play this season, why would I not say he's hey he's got a chance to do something for the Saints team once he's done? Then sure, no, he's no 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 no. See, see, you're moving. And I talk about our YouTube commenters telling us we move goalposts. You are moving the goalposts. We right. aren't asking if Michael Thomas can come out and help the Saints. 
Sure. He's a wide receiver. He can come out and help the Saints. We're talking about Michael Thomas being one of the best receivers in football. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about anything else other than are you the best receiver or one of the best receivers in football? That's it. I mean, after two years where we supposed to expect him to come out and put up 1,500 yards and 150 receptions, 160 receptions? Um, That was the conversation. Yeah. I don't know if we ever I, – I, I'm, I'm sure the, the Vinny. Vinny and I have – yeah, right. Wait, wait. Is that like, <laughs> is he frozen or is that just – What is going he, on with Vinny? He, oh, okay. I was like, Vinny's thinking My computer about. is like crashing. I'm just saying that was the conversation, AJ. It was All never I'm, about can Michael Thomas come out and produce some yards and some touchdowns and some catches. That's not the question. I don't think I've ever thought that he was coming back to that level. I thought he'd be good. I still think he can be good. He's been out for a couple of weeks. If he comes back, what, what if he plays every game this season? The then rest, of, the rest exactly, of the year. Then he's going to do exactly what he's done through the first three games that he played. He's got three games played this year. He's got 16 catches, a little over five catches a game, 171 yards, a little over 50 yards a game. And that's what he is. And he'll get into the end zone eight or nine times this year because he's a great red zone threat because he's a big body and good in the red zone. That's a receiver in the NFL that's a – a decent to good receiver, but we were never asking the question about that. The question was, is Michael Thomas back? And the problem, and you can't even sit here and say, you don't feel it. Do you honestly believe Michael Thomas is playing 12 more games? Well, it depends on what happens Sunday. No, stop. That's <laughs> Because if no, the answer is no. So I can't. That, that, that's, that's, I think that's where I'm at with it, with it all is that, I don't think he he's on the field enough anymore. Like I just the talent I think is there. I think he's got a big toe injury right now. It's a big toe injury. It's a big ass on the field. He is Julio Jones esque, and the sad part is Julio has had a lot of miles on his career to earn the 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 respect of going (laughs) through this injury stuff. Michael Thomas has not. Um, but that does do for our injury report. That does it for our morning headlines. AJ, do the fans a favor. Tell them where they can follow us at, and then we will get into our matchup previews. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Good Morning Sac City at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You know how we do it in the city. You have to go there, and you have to hit the subscribe. You have to hit the follow. It's like moving in, but we ain't really paying your rent. All you got to do is sign up, and we're good. You can live here in the city Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. So head on over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Sac City Pod, and make sure you hit those follows and those subscribe buttons, and make sure you tell somebody, we got the lowest prices in all the land. Come on into Sac City. <laughs> I know the housing market is trash. We got your back. Hit that like, hit that follow, hit that subscribe. Your boys are back in town. We're pretty much offering free land here in the city. Right? <laughs> we're offering free land here at this point in the city. Cheaper than Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> all right, let, let's, let's dive in to the week six matchups. That's right, it's time to get down to some previews here. The San Francisco 49ers are taking on the Atlanta Falcons. The Niners at 3-2 and two take on and head to Atlanta to take on 2-3 and three Falcons. This is a game uh, between two teams that, well, are on different sides of things. One's Super Bowl hopeful, one is not a Super Bowl hopeful. Aaron, you will be there for 
Sorry, AJ. I'm sorry. I'm so terribly sorry to burst your bubble <laughs> here. Um, but the Niners are favored in this game. Five and a half points and over under a 44 and a half. AJ, the Falcons have been surprising a lot of teams this season. There's been a lot of games that they've been very close. They've been looking good. What do you think? What, what has impressed you the most from the Falcons this season? Yeah, uh, every game has been very close. I mean, they've, they've been in each game. All five games have been a total of 18 points. Uh, they have the one of the lowest margins in the NFL at 0.8. So um, th- this is what it's been. It's been the resiliency. It's been their will to fight. I've thoroughly enjoyed watching them stay in every single game. To start the season, it's been, oh, they're going to get blown out here. They're going to get blown out here. And they've had a shot to be in every single game. Uh, some have gone their way. Some have not. Some have been taken away from them. We won't go into that because I already heard y'all did, and I didn't get to talk to y'all about it for three days, so it's okay. Um, but every single game, they have an opportunity. They have a chance. And honestly, it's kind of, for me, the same thought process I have with my with my college football team. This isn't a team that we came into the season thinking they have a very good shot to win it all or anything. I just need to see improvements from where we were last year and still able to win seven games for this year. I'm seeing some of those improvements. The offensive line, as far as a rushing game has gone, has looked very good. One of the top three rushing teams in the NFL. Uh, obviously, uh, Marcus Mariota has still been sacked seven times on the season, but he can take some of the blame for that as well. Um, the receiving game, the weapons that we have, honestly, it still needs some work because the Kyle Pitts thing is very frustrating. I understand that, that he's gotten a target or a quarter of the targets for three of the five, uh, four games he's played, but there's there's a disconnect between Marcus Mariota and Kyle Pitts, and to be a guy you drafted so high and to be a reason that Drake London is supposed to have the season he is and Kyle Pitts should have the season he is, the other reason, and it's not working out, is kind of frustrating. So um, I, I'd like to see the improvements, and I'm still a fan of believing that we can get to the five and six wins that I toted preseason. Um, two and three, you know, last week is what it is. I won't. You know, he didn't throw the five touchdowns uh, Aaron predicted on us, so I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been – that Yeah, that's I, – I did expect Tom Brady to do that, and he didn't. I mean, the Falcons were were right there in that game, and they've been right there in just about every game uh, that they've played in this year. Not to say that they're like this fantastic team, but they're on the rise, and um, but they're, they're playing a good 49ers team. Uh, that comes in with revenge on the mind. Kyle Shanahan obviously spent some years here in Atlanta. He makes his return uh, for the first time. And the 49ers are actually seeking their first win in Atlanta since 2001. They have not won in the city of Atlanta since 2001. Aaron, though, this 49ers team uh, is is right back in the thick of things, right back at the top of the NFC West at 3-2. and Is this 49ers team legit this season? Yeah, they're they're legit. They were legit last year. I don't know. Um, There's not much that's changed, especially now since Jimmy Garoppolo is there um, instead of a Trey Lance. You you have to take the 49ers seriously. They were in the NFC title game a year ago for a reason. The defense is really, really good, if not great, if not the best defense in football. They have a great pass rush. Yes, you're hurting without Nick Bosa, Emmanuel Mosley, and them go go down, and Jimmy Ward goes down, so you have to worry how they're going to – um, make up for those losses, but they've always found a way to have that defense be one of the best in football. So yes, the, the Niners, there's no question the Niners ha- are, are contenders. The question about the 49ers is can they win the Super Bowl? And it's because do we trust Jimmy G enough to make the throw when it matters? We saw it in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. One throw, you need to make it, you don't, you lose. 
um, against Green Bay or not Green Bay. I'm sorry, against the Rams in the playoffs. They drop an interception. Jimmy G has a chance to go down and win win it, and he's unable to do it. So it's really about can Jimmy G get over the hump of just being a guy that manages games and wins regular season games, wins some playoff games, but not able to carry a team when it matters the most. Because as I've said in this league of many times, if you want to win a Super Bowl, your quarterback is going to have to make throws when it matters most. I don't care how good anything else is. There's going to come a point in time on that road to the Super Bowl, your quarterback's going to have to throw you to a win. And Jimmy G has been unable to do that so far. So um, that's really what the question mark is there. But everything else, there's nothing really to question with the 49ers. They've had running back injuries. They can run the ball. Their defense is great. O-line has been banged up, and they're still playing well. Um, It's really a question mark about Jimmy G um, in the games that matter most. Yeah, and and it's not – like I don't mean to talk negatively too much about the Niners because they're they're having a great season. This defense, like you you stated, is one of the best in the NFL. They're tied with the Buffalo Bills for fewest points per game, and they have the most sacks in the NFL at 21. This this defense is very, very good. Uh, They'll travel to Atlanta, though, on Sunday. Aaron, you'll be at the game. What do you uh, what do you expect to see? What's your score? Yeah, well, first, I don't want to I don't want to gloss over that wonderful intro that we glossed over. Like this is what happens when you have too much time on your hands. Okay, you start to make intros and don't tell nobody. You surprise me with it coming up. Like we were all, you know, this this okay. That was that was cute, Vinny. That was cute. We get it. You're talented. Okay, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> needed a transition it's been five we're six weeks in and i still haven't created a transition for for, for the uh this is a game jesus christ i get it i get it no, I, get it. <laughs> I didn't even know he froze <laughs> I get it. this this is a game that i do expect the 49ers to uh out physical like the strengths of atlanta's to run the football the strength of the Niners, they're not going to allow that to happen. Like they're, they're very physical in the trenches. I expect them to be physical in the trenches. I expect them to get after Marcus Mariota and to AJ's point. um, I think Marcus Mariota has a lot to do with why Kyle Pitts is not doing what he needs to do. And this is why I said, I think I'd go to Desmond Ritter now. I know that they're playing okay, but I don't think there's a huge difference now between Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota. I do think it's time, Uh, but I have the 49ers winning this game 24 to 13 um, low scoring for, for Atlanta, just hard to get points on the board against this defense. Yep. AJ, what about you? You know, as of late, I've actually gotten closer and closer to the same thought process of Desmond Ritter earlier in the season. I would, you know, Marcus Mariota's they're still got, they've got two wins on the season. He's doing what he needs to do. But from what we saw Desmond Ritter in the preseason, what I've seen from him in his college career, and I know the NFL is different. I've gotten closer and closer to that feeling as well. Um, I think they give Mariota a little bit more time. And if we're, you know, 500 at week eight or something like that, they may look into it just to get that spark if we're losing games because of turnovers and things of that nature. So um, I, I just want to put that out there. When it comes to this week against San Francisco, defense is a little banked up on on their side, especially on that front line. And if, uh, God, if we had Kadero Patterson, I would be going another direction. I think the 49ers still can pull this out. So I'm going to pick San Francisco uh, 24 to 20. Oh, man. Cordero Patterson, oh man, that's the run game has not been the same since he's been out. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, one, one two weeks, but still, I don't think it would matter to be completely honest if uh, I, I don't, if Cordero Patterson was in or not. I don't think, I, I don't think that I think, I think it would be closer. I mean, you already have him at 20 at 24 20. That's a close game without Cordero Patterson. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think like my, like for me, I, I, I have the Niners in this game, 24, 17, my score with Cordero Patterson might jump up to what you have there of 24, 20. 
but I don't think I don't think that Cordero Patterson makes that big of a difference. Um, if, I don't think if that, the Niners if the Niners defense was at full strength, that would be the difference for me. That's why I'm saying. So I'm saying presently structured 49ers, then adding Cordero Patterson and allowing this rushing attempt or this rushing game to get off the way it was the first couple of weeks. That's kind of where I was going at. And full strength with the Nick Bosa and the Javon Kinlaw. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd be, I'd be saying it the other way around, but with potentially out all of those guys, I think it would make a, a, a little bit of a difference. Um, all right. Well, we all got the Niners here. Very easy, very easy here. Uh, Niners all around. The next game on our list is the New York Jets taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are seven and a half point favorites here in this matchup with an over under of 45 points. Both these teams enter week six at three and two. It's LeFleur versus LeFleur. Mike LeFleur of the New York Jets, the offensive coordinator, takes on Matt LeFleur, the uh, head coach of the Green Bay Packers. It's a battle of the brothers here. Uh, the Jets, though, three and two start uh, this season, looking better than better than than most expected. I think I, I think they could say better than most expected. I don't think I, I I believe we all at the beginning of the season had high hopes for the Jets, like as in moving into the right direction. But I'm not sure if I expected three and two uh, out out the gate. Maybe you guys expected different. Um, but Aaron, what what has stood out to you the most? about the uh, the New York Jets through five games. Yeah, I think we've talked about it a few times. Uh, it's it's the way Robert Saul has kind of instilled that mentality into this team. Like, yes, we are the Jets. Yes, we are known for being whatever type of organization in the past. But it's not the same. This is not the same era. This is a, a new era of Jets football. They've, they've gone young, um, and they've been able to draft talented players. And they've used that draft capital wisely. They've said, you know what, we're going to do Anything we can do to support our, quote, franchise quarterback, who we think is our franchise guy moving forward. They've went out and got weapons. They've went out and invested in offensive line. Then they go get a lockdown corner. So they've done everything. We, we look at the best teams in football, and we say they've done this right. These are the key positions that they need to attack. And the Jets have done that. They, they surrounded their quarterback with weapons. They got a, a shutdown corner that they've drafted. And then they went out and got some edge rushing or some pass rushing help. And an offensive line. And that's all you can do is try to put your franchise quarterback in the best position to win. So if they continue to build that way, you're going to see that the wins continue to grow. And we talked about it. Maybe there's not that many wins this year because they are young. They are going to lose games that they should win and they're going to win games that they should lose. But if you see the growth in Zach Wilson, the less turnovers and getting a, an understanding and a grasp of the offense, I think that's really what you're looking for if you're a Jets fan or if you're, you know, just rooting on the Jets in general. Like, like I think all of us here do. We all kind of have this soft spot for the Jets to do well. Um, I think they're in the they're going in the right direction. If that continues, then in a couple of years, more draft capital, Zach Wilson grows. That could be a team that's, you know, in the playoffs or fighting for something. So uh, I really like what Robert Sala has done there, and uh, he deserves a lot of credit for, for where they're at now. Yeah, they have a good core uh, being built in New York, obviously, with now with Brees Hall added to the mix, Sauce Gardner, uh, Zach Wilson. And it's funny, we talked about it on, I believe it was Wednesday's show when we moved up the Jets near in the power rankings. Like this team, it's like even their veterans are young guys. Like their veterans are Zach Wilson right now. And like that's that's their that's their leadership. And he's, he is also a young guy. So obviously the, the old the cliche statement is the future is bright uh, for the Jets. 
On the Packers side, though, they fell to the New York Giants in London, AJ, this past week. A disappointing performance, especially in that second half from Green Bay. How do the Green Bay Packers get back on track on Sunday? Well, first it helps that you're, you're talking about playing them in Lambeau Field at home, and then it helps that you're talking about Aaron Rodgers after a loss and not a good loss that he's excited about. But, you know, it, it seems like they've been trying to figure out what their offense is capable of week in and week out. Like getting up 17 points last week and then just kind of stalling out is just weird to me. I know I know, we've, they, we've talked about the first couple of weeks they need to get these wide receivers on the same page with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers needs to be able to build a trust with these new talented, uh, talented young wideouts. But at this point, I think we know what they're capable of. We've seen Aaron Rodgers decide, all right, today it's a Randall Cobb day. Not many people saw that coming. Alan Lazard's going to get open when I need him to, and I can trust him to do what he wants. Uh, what we need him to do. And then Romeo Dobbs, we're going to keep giving him the opportunities because he is talented. And while he's dropped a couple balls and uh, an opportune time to make some mistakes, we know what he's capable of. At this point, I think we need to start seeing that Aaron Jones receiver threat that we were talking about. This is a guy that we said could probably have the potential to lead this team in receptions. And he's only had more than four targets once this season, just three, uh, just three last week. The snap share with A.J. Dillon being the Russian threat, that hasn't come to fruition. Now, they've given him opportunities in a couple of different weeks, and he hasn't been able to pull it off. But last week, he only had six rushing attempts. You can say that's because of the game script, but at what point were they actually going to be rushing him in the ball if they were down 17 points going into the third quarter? So um, I, I know they've been giving Aaron Jones and giving A.J. Dillon a couple opportunities. I think they either need to find more ways to get these guys the ball or find creative ways to get this ball to these playmakers. And I know that not so much the green Bay Packer way, uh, but if you want to talk about getting on track and let's be clear, I'm not worried about the Packers really that much. Not, not yeah, that yeah. much, but uh, um, I think it starts with trying to find different ways to get these running backs involved because I think, you know, where you are with your receivers. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key for the green Bay Packers. It's like, it's, it's get, get, get put the ball in, the, in your best player's hands. Like that's the strategy. That's the, that is, we talk about all the time. Put the ball in your best in your best player's hands, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is the best player on that team on that offense. But then you go down the list, and next up is Aaron Jones and and, your, and the running back group that you have, and um, that 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 needs to be a big part of the the Packers offense. AJ, what do you have uh, as a score in this game? Uh, so I have the lost answer here. <laughs> Sorry, I have the uh, Packers uh, thirty to twenty four in this game. Um, they're at home. Aaron Rodgers, and I know the Jets are going to make it interesting, but uh, I got the Packers 30-24. Okay. All right. That, that's a close game. I think that's – Yeah, it if, is. If, if, if you're the Jets and you put up 24 points there and you keep it that close with the Green Bay Packers, I know moral victories don't matter, but that'd be a good moral victory for the New York Jets on the road in Lambeau to get to, – to, to keep it close like Maybe. that. Yeah, yeah. Now. They, they may put up 10 points in the late in the fourth quarter when it's the game's in, in yeah. uh, decisive form, so – yeah, Jets but, are the best yeah. team in the fourth quarter in the NFL, by the way. That's that's that that is that is a thing. Uh Aaron, what about you? Um, I'm just gonna let that comment slide. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm taking the Packers in this one as well. 28-19. Look, this is about the Green Bay Packers running the football. And I think this is a game where they get back to the running game and they do lean on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Um AJ talked about it. Uh, the Jets are a really good pass defense. They're right now they're top 10 in pass defense, yards allowed. Um, they're not as good against the run. I think this is a, a prime game, very similar to that Chicago Bears game where the Packers came out and was, we saw a heavy workload from Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Um, 
28-19 because I do think they can find ways to get in the end zone, but it's the Green Bay Packers and they run such a slow offense. It, the sad part is, is when Green Bay offense is on and they go fast, they probably are one of the highest scoring teams in the league because they are in a very, they are a very efficient offense when they're clicking. Um, but because it's so slow when they aren't clicking, it's hard for them to score. They can never put points on the board. And I've complained about this for, I don't know, five years now under under the Green Bay Packers <laughs> kind of new regime. It's it's so annoying and so frustrating to watch how slow their offense is um, outside of when Aaron Rodgers is trying to catch somebody jumping off sides or, or having 12 guys on the field. Other than that, they take forever in the huddle. They snap the ball with one second left and they get back in the huddle and they snap the ball. And it's, it's just it's very slow. Um, I need the pace to pick up a little bit, but it's never going to happen because that's just what they do. But the Packers win this one 28-19. Yeah, I follow the same trend here with 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 that. I think the Green Bay Packers do win this game as well, and I do think the gap is a little bit different, a little bit farther um, from from what AJ had. I do I do think if the Jets could keep it close, um, but I, I I guess I don't think the Jets could keep it close. I think it is twenty seven seventeen, and I don't think this game is that close. I think it's a bounce back game for the Green Bay Packers offense uh, and their defense. Uh, I think their defense didn't look as good as 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 good as they can be last week when they played the giants. And I think this is the prime week uh, for them to get back on track as well. We talked about this defense in the off season being arguably one of the best in the NFL. Uh, it's time for them to show it. And I think it starts this week uh, against the New York jets. The Packers win this one 27 uh, to 17. The next game on our list. It's the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to new Orleans, take on the saints, the two and three Bengals meet the two and three saints. Joe Burrows return back to new Orleans, back to the Superdome, the place where he won his national championship. That's the last time he played in the Superdome. Good memories for Joe Burrow. The Bengals are one and a half point favorites in this matchup with that nice little over under of 43 points. This team, both these teams have been, I don't want to say that they I, – I guess I will say it. They've both been, I guess, playing under what they what our expectations were. Both of them are two and three. I don't think any of us predicted them to be two and three uh, through five games of the season. It's been very disappointing on both sides of the ball. I feel like the Bengals are trending in the right direction, and I guess you can say the Saints are too. The Saints put up 35-plus points again last week, but it's, it just, it's just not seeming right on both sides of things here. Um Aaron, let's start off with let's start off with the Saints and their win last week. How do they build off of that win, and what do they need to take from that win here uh, on Sunday? Yeah, the the focus of the offense, <clears throat> excuse me, needs to be around Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is the I don't want to say driving force. Like there's other players that they can lean on. We we talked about Michael Thomas during the injury report. If he's out there, obviously he can get some stuff. Jarvis Landry, but these guys are all banged up, so. It's really Alvin Kamara and then what Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway. Like you, you have to look directly at Alvin Kamara and say we need to find a way to get him the ball, uh, whether it's through the run game, through the pass game, and then use Taysom Hill the way you used him last week, sparingly around the red zone, third and short, finding ways to get first downs, keep the chains moving, and keep that defense off the field. That's what the Saints are right now. It's about having an identity, and the identity of this team is to run the football. And then look for big plays out of players like a Taysom Hill, who's unique. Look, some of the some of the things that Taysom Hill brings to their offense, nobody in the NFL has. There are very few teams in the NFL that has a Taysom Hill. So what they've done over the past couple of weeks is try to incorporate him and use that weapon. This is very similar to um, 
like the, the Chiefs not being able to get Travis Kelsey open, but finding a way to use him when it matters, which is in the red zone, and get him open. This is easy. You can get Taysom Hill the ball because you can snap him the ball. And then you can line up in quarterback power and just say, go get me third and short. And it's, and it's easy. You don't have to worry about it. You get an extra blocker. If they stick to that, it, it forces the defenses to actually focus on that. And then what happens? Then you can run some of those trick plays or misdirection to, okay, now Taysom Hill keeps it, but he's actually handing it off to Kamara. Or now he's going to throw the ball this time to his tight end across the middle for a touchdown. Like those things continue to keep a defense like wondering what's going to happen next. So Alvin Kamara, use Taysom Hill sparingly and, and do exactly what you did against Seattle. Now it's going to be a lot harder because the Bengals defense is a lot better than than the Seattle Seahawks defense, but that's their identity right now. It's nothing else other than that, including if Jameis Winston comes back in place. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in this season where or on this team with the Bengals, like it's like we always talk about their offense, and like that's what they, that's what they pride themselves on. That's what we've been known and accustomed to seeing that, that like the, the Bengals defense last year wasn't was no slouch as much as we rip on Eli Apple the defense was not that bad last year and it seems like that's the highlight of them this year it's not the same offense though from last year things are not working out the same AJ what do you think the biggest difference is from this season and last season with the Cincinnati Bengals offense yeah I mean teams paid attention last year uh the biggest difference from the team itself last year this year is Last year, nobody thought they were going to be good, so they were able to slap a lot of teams in the mouth and they weren't ready for it. This year, they're prepared. They understand what that offensive talent that the Bengals have, and they're and they're coming into the games ready for it. You're talking about a team last year that had explosive play after explosive play, and that just hasn't really been the case this year because teams are taking away that. They're getting on Jamar Chase downfield. They're not leaving them with uh, openings. You look at Joe Burrow last year, he was at 8.9 yards per pass attempt. That was one of the highest in the league. This year, he's down to 6.9. Uh, they're taking away the opportunity for the explosive plays to be there. Now, that can change as the season goes on, as T. Higgins gets back to being healthy. And you can't just give all your attention to one Jamar Chase because once you do, T. Higgins is going to burn you. When you switch it over, Jamar Chase is going to burn you. And then if you do it too wrong, Tyler Boyd is a very capable wide receiver. And I haven't even got to mention about Joe Mixon. So it's just the difference. Teams, fit, teams pay attention. When you were a Super Bowl contender from last season, you were going to get teams' best shots even if you didn't win that game. And people are ready for the Bengals when they come into town. And it's on Zach Taylor, it's on Joe Burrow, it's on those weapons to get as most as they can out of what the defense is giving you until you can take your shot and make the best of it. AJ firing this morning. AJ firing this morning. Like there's there's sometimes when like I like I ask a question and I hope that there's a direction that you go in. Like and obviously like for you and Aaron both. Like there's a direction I hope you go in. And you nailed it. You absolutely crushed it with with, the, with where this Bengals offense is, yeah. what the problem hasn't, what, what the problems have been, and the difference. It's not like there's no big plays. You got to find a way uh, to make it happen in the short game and get those little little chunk plays uh, here and there. Aaron, your your thoughts on that? You seem like you. Oh, you're on mute. That's a minus. Hey, uh, my fine. chair, my chair's, my chair's been squeaking, so I'm trying to not. That it has. So I'm trying not to have it squeak when I'll be moving. Um, so to the big play point, which is right, there haven't been big plays, but this is where the adjustment comes into play because the, the way teams are playing the Bengals, which Joe Burrow mentioned, is the same way they started playing the Chiefs. Right? They just said, you know what, we are last year, and and they had to learn. The Chiefs had to learn a way to around it. 
Now, I don't know if the Bengals are capable of doing what the Chiefs did because Andy Reid is a special, special man. But that's what they have to do. They have to be okay with not having big plays. The NFL, most defenses design so you don't get big plays. You have to be able to work around that. You have to be able to throw 10-yard digs, 8-yard slants, uh, 15-yard comebacks, and down the field, run the ball, and get in the end zone. If you can't do that, if you are solely predicated on big plays being the focus of your offense – Good luck trying to win championships because the the NFL defenses are smart. And when you see a team that came out of nowhere last year and you say, okay, now we, now we know we have to prepare a certain way for you. These defensive coordinators getting paid millions, just like your offensive coordinator to stop you. And the players on defense are, are there to stop you. It's a lot harder. And so that's what we've seen. And the Bengals have been one of the better teams at adjusting, by the way, last year, I thought they did an excellent job throughout the season of having bad first halves, adjusting at halftime and, and coming back in games and things like that. But we do have to remember they were only 10 and seven last year. So they were up and down. They were winning games. They were losing games after five games last year, they were two and, or three and two instead of two and three this year. So the one win away that Dallas win is a Cincinnati win. We might still be talking about them this way, but they still would have the same record they had last year. So I think it's still a little too early to worry about them, uh, but they haven't, trended really in the right direction to me offensively i need to see more from joe burrow i need to see that growth from him you can't say oh no i'm stuck um so i i, I honestly i got the saints in this one I, i'll be honest i have the saints winning this game at home i have it 24 23 and i have a question for all the Bengals fans um can somebody update me on eli apple i, I haven't heard much about him this year so i know I, i'm serious um i need a, a pff grade <laughs> Since last year, all they wanted to give me was PFF grades. I need somebody to go look up his PFF grade and tell me where he ranks amongst corners. Because last year, he, they told me he was number one in all of football. So I just need to know if he's still number one or not. Because if he's number one and they're still this bad, ugh, Jesus. Good <laughs> oh, goodness. Goodness gracious. Saints went 24-23. All right. There you go. This, I, I didn't even I, – I had a missed opportunity in this game. This is who dat versus who day. I didn't even like – I didn't even make up that – I didn't even – pull out that line at the beginning of this but this uh missed opportunity aj what about you uh yeah so I, I think i got to score a little high in this one uh but i did take the Bengals in this one 34 28 um i i think the reason i went with this score is it just seems like the saints keep finding a way to put up points when they're when they get down by a touchdown and they keep these games close you look back at what they did in london you look what they did the week before uh with or with seattle as well uh, so I, I kind of see this offense maybe being one of those type of shootouts. So um, I'm going to give Joe Burrow that offense um, a tick that they get it right this week. Uh, the Saints defense has been under uh, underachieving and the Bengals offense is not one you want to underachieve at because if you give them the opportunity, they're still going to take their shots. And if they hit on a couple, we could see some quick plays like them Tyler Boyd 40, 50 yard touchdowns because of busted coverage and things of that nature. So I'll stick with my score, even though I acknowledge it may be a little high. Uh, Bengals 34-28. Yeah, I, I, uh, with with what happened last week with them against Seattle, I mean Seattle is just a just a super high powered offense. That's that's who the the Saints played last. Who did the Saints? They played Seattle last week, right? That's the thing. Yes. I'm trying yes. to remember things correctly. I feel um, you. London messes you up, man. <laughs> well, it, there's just a lot of football, a lot of coverage here going on to try and remember what's happening in week five, but talking about week six. Um, but last week they allowed a lot of points to the most efficient offense in the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, there's, there's a little bit more weapons and a better quarterback. Uh, uh, and I want to take a shot at Gino, but 
This game, though, Saints defense last week allowed that many, they, that many points to Seattle. I don't think they allow that many points this game, but I do have the Bengals as well winning this in 28-23. And my little nug for that for this to to defend my point is I am worried about the Saints offense. Last week we did see an improvement from the Saints offense. They they scored a lot of points. We saw Taysom Hill get involved. We saw Alan Kamara get really involved. But that was the Andy Dalton that quarterback. And I worry that we talked about this, I believe, on Wednesday's show, or maybe it was Monday's show, that game plans sometimes will change depending on the quarterback. And they don't sometimes you don't have the same simple system with Jameis as you have with Andy Dalton. And you don't have the weapons there. There's no Jarvis. There, there might not be Chris Olave, no Michael Thomas. There's not a lot of weapons there. So I I worry that they're not going to be able to get the job done on offense. So 28-23. Bengals in this one for me the next game on the list it is the three and two new york or the three and two baltimore ravens traveling to take on the new york giants at four and one this is a team in the new york giants that we have talked about trying to figure out if they're the real deal or not aaron you move them up very high uh this week in the power rankings they are not favored at home though uh against the ravens the ravens are six point favorites with an over under a 45 here AJ, I'm going to go to you on this first question. The Giants have, are four and one. Like they've 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 made it happen. Brian Dable has that team going. They've been finding ways to win. What are the keys for them in this one to find a way to upset the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be a broken record here and say what I said for them to win last week. It's it's about the run game. Saquon's been that offense. Daniel Jones has shown he can be a quote unquote dual threat because uh, he is capable with his legs. And one of the things the Ravens are susceptible to are quarterbacks rushing the ball. Um, they, they I think they allow the fourth most rushing yards to the quarterback position this season coming in. So um, if you can get that ball going with Saquon Barkley, like you know Saquon Barkley is going to do, because not many teams have found a way to stop him at this point in time, uh, and then get Daniel Jones finding some space out on the edge and let him use his legs, um, it's going to be hard to stop him. We got to remember there's not very many passing options in this New York Giants offense as of right now. Does that hurt you? It possibly can, because if they just know you're going to run, maybe they're going to be prepared for it. Um, but I'm, I'm of the mindset that it's going to be tougher for the Denver, uh, the, I'm sorry, I said defend Denver and what I want to try to say defend, but the Baltimore Ravens uh, to stop this run game effectively. Uh, and I think they're going to have a tough time with it, but uh, uh, the key for the Giants, they, they need to, they need to run the ball. Yeah, that's, that's the, that is their offense run the ball. And then, well, it, it's kind of funny. Like we talk about, how teams you you run the ball it opens up more room for your passing like that's an obvious thing to say and like the giants are just simply doing that with saquon barkley you have to respect saquon barkley and even daniel jones in the rushing attack that makes things harder to read no matter what who the weapons are that daniel jones has to throw to the running game is so crucial and so important uh for a team the giants on the defense side of the ball one of the most blitz heavy teams in the nfl uh, the Wink Martindale led defense for the Giants is second in the league in terms of pressure rate. Uh, when he was with Baltimore as the defensive coordinator, he was first in the league in terms of defensive rate, la- defensive pressure rate last season. So this Giants team is just getting to the quarterback, getting to the quarterback, getting to the quarterback. For Baltimore, how does that affect Lamar and the rest of this offense, Aaron? Well, are they getting to the quarterback? Uh, I mean, they have the, the, the I, I, I'm 
not necessarily saying that they're being productive when it comes to getting to the quarterback. <laughs> well, but that's what you said. You said they're getting to the quarterback. They're I'm, they're getting to the quarterback, maybe not being effective against the quarterback. I'll dive into that a little bit while you answer my question. How does it how does a big time pass rush affect Lamar Jackson? How does all this I, pressure get to Lamar Jackson? I don't think it I, I I so I I think this is a complete disadvantage for the Giants. This game is a complete mismatch. You have a team that pressures a lot that wants to pressure a lot, um, blitzing, 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 a running quarterback, which means you can't let them escape the pocket because they're playing a lot more man coverage. When you're blitzing, usually you're playing man coverage. If you're in man coverage, the defensive backs, where are their eyes? Their eyes are on the receiver, not at the quarterback, which means when Lamar Jackson escapes the pocket, nobody's there to take to, to account for him unless you have some sort of quarterback spot. Um, not to mention the, the Giants actually are not very good against the run. They're a bottom half, I think, bottom six team, six or seven team against the run this year. They're averaging allowing over 130 yards rushing per game. Well, that's what Baltimore wants to do, especially with Lamar Jackson. On the offensive side of the football, you have the Giants who want to run the football and the Baltimore Ravens who don't have a great pass defense who actually are really good against the run. So um, this to me is a complete mismatch of a game for the Giants. And this is going to be a true testament of how good the Giants are, how good the Giants are coached. Um, is Martindale going to change some of his strategies? Because when you – pressure or try to pressure Lamar Jackson and you decide to blitz him you have to get home if you don't get home you lose and against Lamar Jackson knowing how dangerous he is do you re really risk that or do you change to change things up sit back in some zone coverage maybe have a quarterback spy on him and force him to beat you with his arm um, which is outside the comfort zone of the Giants defense right now so I think this is a mismatch for the Giants I think I think it's going to be a tough, tough sledding for for them to stop Lamar in this in this game. Yeah, this is this is going to be another like I I, I know that there's I, I wonder if Giants fans Giants fans if you're watching this let us know in the comments if you are if like how how where your belief level is on this team because I feel bad not believing in the Giants every week because I mean they're four and one they're finding ways to win. This is another game you, where <laughs> you, you talk about it more than anybody, Vinny. I, I do. I, I, I do. <laughs> they're four and one. Like, like I think I think what you want is this is what I think you want. You it's the same want thing with the, it's the same thing with the, the what I do with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's I'm expecting that reset game where they fall back and it's like, okay, but, uh, this but is, that may happen. Where, but that may happen. But it doesn't mean that they're a, a bad football team. You're just looking at four and one and saying, Oh my god, we have to account for them being four and one. Like what? That's crazy. They're four. No, they well, just they're better than they were last year. Yes. Like, stop looking at the record. To Much better. Arguably one of the best teams in the NFL right now in terms of record. Again, the New York see, Giants. You're, you're, you're doing the New York too Giants much. have the you're same record as the Kansas City Chiefs. How about that? You're doing, you're doing too much. I can't. Okay. Well, I don't have I don't have the 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 Giants in this one. I am continuing to doubt them. Uh, they lose this game. The Ravens win thirty to seventeen. I think the the Ravens are too much. I think that uh, I, I, like I said, yeah, they're too much. I think this is the the step back game. Like I just said, with the New York Giants, they only get seventeen points here. Thirty seventeen, Baltimore. AJ. Yeah, um, I agree with basically everything you just said. So my score, uh, I'm also with the Ravens, 27-17. Uh, I think the Giants get their second loss. Quick, easy. Eric. The Giants have not scored more than 20 points outside of what well, they scored 21 and outside of one time. Um, they lose this game 34-20. to Baltimore is too high-powered offensively for them. Lamar Jackson's going to have a, a bananas day, and it's just too much. <laughs> 
bananas. B A N A N A S. <laughs> That's happening here. Sorry. <laughs> Next game on our list. It's the Carolina Panthers traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Uh, the one and four Panthers, the two and three Rams. The Rams are favored in this game. Uh, 10 points over under 41. Uh, this is uh, the debut of PJ Walker and the debut of Steve Wilkes as the new head coach for the Panthers. The this is this is a new team. Well, I don't want to say this is a new team, but there's a lot of new and a lot of changes uh, that have occurred in the past week for the Panthers. PJ Walker now steps in. Steve Wilkes now steps in. Aaron, what do you expect this offense to look like under a new head coach and under a new quarterback? Um, see, Mac. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Get the ball to the great white hype Christian McCaffrey because uh, that's really what it's about. Uh, it's about Christian McCaffrey. He is the driving force in this offense, either through the run game or through the pass game. But if you get the ball to 22, good things happen. That's a Niners defense right here. That's the, that's the, what is arguably the best defense in football. It's the Niners defense. Um uh, oh, oh, you want me to talk about PJ? Walker? No, 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 I don't. I don't. I'm just giving a little, I, I'm just trying to give um, a little bit of information on PJ Walker. That's it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, look, I don't, I, I don't know that much changes other than PJ Walker might be a little bit more efficient than Baker Mayfield uh, efficient in the fact that he's not going to make the same mistakes that Baker Mayfield makes. Um, I'm not saying he's better than Baker Mayfield from a talent perspective or anything like that. And we know what PJ Walker is. He's a backup in this league, but I do think there's something to be said about, we talked about it backups that know their role. And I think that's what PJ Walker is. So is he going to make some mistakes? Sure. But is he going to cost you a game or lose you games? Cause, cause he's throwing ducks up and, and things like that. No, that's Baker Mayfield that does that. So um, I don't want to see that. I don't want to say they're going to be more efficient, but I do think you're going to see more production from guys like DJ Moore, from guys like Robbie Anderson. I think they're going to be more, more, more production um, in this, in this particular game, perhaps um, because of that aspect. And it's a tough matchup against the Rams, but um, I do think PJ Walker is a little bit more efficient than Baker. AJ on the Rams side, it's been a, a disappointing season so far uh, from them. They've been, they're two and three now, obviously defending Super Bowl champions, not going, not starting the way uh, they had hoped. Offense has not looked great. Is this a bounce back game for them? Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be uh, from, from their standards and from the NFL fan standards. Looking at the Rams, you would think they would be in a better position at, at this point, but they've had a pretty decent schedule, a pretty tough schedule, uh, playing two of the best defenses back-to-back in the 49ers and then the Cowboys. Um, so, But if there ever was to have a bounce-back game, I don't know that it actually means much for them because their bounce-back game is against one of the worst teams in the NFL, against a new head coach, a new coordinator, and, and, a, new, and a, a new quarterback. Um, so, I, first off, don't take it for granted. It's still the NFL, so you can't just decide you're going to run all over everybody. Uh, but if you do the domination you're supposed to have, you should take every opportunity in this game to get your offense right. It's not a, oh, we're going to win, so everyone take a break. Like, your offense is still sputtering. Your offense still needs to figure out how to get some of these other weapons available. You want to see what Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson's about? Well, the Panthers are allowing 137 rushing yards per game. Why not make that uh, this week to focus in on that? So uh, there's, there's there's opportunity here, one, for them to make sure they secure the win, and then two, to make sure that their offense can start to find some traction other than just, oh, Cooper Cup, oh, Cooper Cup, oh, Cooper Cup. And as everybody knows, that's something that's all they've been doing, and they kind of need to change if they don't want this record to keep going up and down and up and down. So, 
There you go. You're shaking your head. I don't like it. I don't like the 10 point spread. I don't like the Rams uh, being being praised this much. Um, not by UAJ, but by like basically the Vegas odd makers. I guarantee you one thing: Brian Burns got two or three sacks in this game. Um, they're just, I think this is disrespectful yeah. to the Panthers defense and I'm not giving the, the Rams a 10 point favorite over anybody. I don't care where it's at. Uh, they, they don't deserve a 10 point favorite when you play the way they do in the trenches. And to your point about Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Yeah, this would be great if they can get the run game going too bad. They can't block too bad. They can't get, it doesn't matter that Carolina gives up 130 yards a game or whatever on the ground. They can't block anybody. Um, I am not buying the Rams by 10 points here. Do I think the Rams are going to win? Sure. I think the Rams are a better football team overall. I got the Rams winning 26-20 here, but this game is not – this is a one-score game going down to the end. This might be a 23-20 game with three minutes left and the Rams kick a field goal to go up by six and the Panthers have a chance to win it and they don't get it done. But this is not a, this is not a blowout game for me. I think this game is close. I think it's defensive, and I think the Rams are getting too much credit from the from the Vegas oddmakers. Yeah, I, I don't – that's uh, like when you talk about it and like the, the 10 point fail, like my score is definitely fits the 10 point spread and everything. But like, I do think it is a little disrespectful for, uh, for the Carolina Panthers defense and the way that the Rams offense has looked, I have the Rams in this one, 27 to nine though. I don't, I don't see. Yeah. 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 27 <laughs> to nine. I don't think, I don't think the Panthers offense scores that much. I, I think it's one of those games. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think the Panthers offense scores that much. <laughs> Uh, this is the blowout game of the week right here for me. 27 to nine. I do think bounce back for the Rams. And like AJ said, it doesn't really mean that much. Like it does, like it's sure bounce well, back. It, it does. They I, should blow I, them I, out. I don't... If, it, it does. If you're going to beat a team that you're supposed to beat like that, then it means something. The problem is, is the Rams haven't beat anybody like that. They haven't shown that. So that's why I can't believe it. I don't get it. They didn't do it to the Falcons. The Falcons came in there and, and it came almost came back. Like the Rams, yeah. who have the Rams blown out? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> you know, I'm messing with you about my Falcons. I'm trying to tell you that ain't how it's going now. No, I'm just saying, like, but that's part of it. Is they yeah. they they didn't blow anybody out. They haven't blown anybody out. I just don't. Yeah. I I don't see how it's going to happen now. AJ, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, I got the uh, I got the Ra- the Rams thirty to seventeen. Um, I don't remember the number, but the Panthers have lost like a multitude of games when their opponents score 17 points, which means 17 is about where they're going to get. So uh, uh, the Rams 30 to 17. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, yeah, this is a tough matchup for the, for, for both teams. I mean, this is a tough matchup for both teams, especially with the offensive line. Uh, but the next game on our list, two more to go. The Arizona Cardinals at two and three take on the Seattle Seahawks. Also at two and three, the Cardinals are three point favorites in this game with an over under of 50 and a half this is a a Seahawks team that has been one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL led by Geno Smith his fantastic completion percentage his fantastic numbers that he has no one's really saying that Geno Smith is a superstar but he's done exactly what he's needed to do for the Seattle Seahawks they did though lose Rashad Penny we talked about the uh the big time injury to him he will now miss the rest of the season Aaron what what changes will we see from the Seattle's Seahawks offense? Do you think anything changes now that Rashad Penny is not in the lineup? 
You ain't shit, Vinny. Where am I like? You want to talk about Ken Walker so bad that you want to I ask don't. me this question? I was just I was just desperate to find a question for the Seattle Seahawks. If you're the really question, trying to pull I thought you were back, going to the question right with Gino. Like that is the question. The, the What's only the question topic about of Gino? conversation, the only topic of conversation about the Seattle Seahawks should be is this sustainable for Geno Smith? Like the way he's played is outstanding. It doesn't matter if Ken Walker, DJ Dallas, Travis, home, home, homer, or if Rashad Penny comes back and plays on one leg. That's not, This is about Geno Smith. This is about the way he's been playing and how he's been able to get incorporate Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in a way that somehow Russell Wilson wasn't able to do, which is both have them both productive at the same time. Geno Smith is the question. Geno Smith is the answer. Geno Smith is the topic of conversation. <laughs> this is all about Geno Smith. Do we believe at 30 years old or however old Geno Smith is now, at, at, at his age, 32 years old, he has developed into a franchise quarterback? That, that's what this is about. Can he do it? Can he do it? That's it. This is, that's the only question. That's it. That's all I want to say. It's the only question. Right. I asked the question for you. No, I, I, like I said, I was just reaching for a question. I didn't know. I didn't. Gino is Gino. Like that's that's it. Gino Smith is Gino Smith. That's but, it. There's listen, nothing more. I've been, nothing di- I've been the one that's taking all this heat because what divine comedy, right? Always coming in here talking about the Seahawks, saying I'm not giving Gino Smith his credit. When I'm saying I am giving him his credit, I just do not believe in the history of the NFL there have been guys that at 32 years old have then developed into a good quarterback. It just doesn't happen. So I take the side of history, but what we are watching this year, it's hard to deny what we've seen from Geno Smith. Now, again, I could throw out the teams they've played and have been underachieving, but I mentioned he wasn't as good on the road. Well, guess what? The last two road games, he's done really well. Like, so (laughs) he put that to rest five touchdowns, no interceptions over the last two uh, road games, 132 and 139 quarterback rating. He's played like a franchise quarterback and I can't for the life of me figure out how in the hell he's doing it. I don't know. I think they need to test him for PEDs. I they might need to test him for some of that. What's the the secret stuff from the Space Jam movie? He might need so he hey, think he's got some of that. Maybe he's drinking the juice that the water boy drank when he got knocked out and came back to life. I don't know Aaron what Rogers it is. Juice. It's the Aaron Rodgers juice. I don't that know is. what it is, but something, somebody, I don't know if he's got a voodoo doll. I don't know what he's got. I think he might be voodoo doll and Russell Wilson. He looks a lot more like Russell Wilson than Russell Wilson looks like Russell Wilson. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And I'm, 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 it's, it's mind boggling. But for whatever reason, Geno Smith balling out, man. He balling out. He balling out. <laughs> oh, that See, that's a good the last line. Everything else you said, Geno wasn't going right back. <laughs> it, yeah, he never, never writes back. I, it, that's what I thought. I like. Thinking of a Gino question, I thought that every answer I would get from you would have been would have been I don't know what's happening with Gino. Gino is just G- like that's the thing. Gino is just Gino, but he's on a different level and he's performing well. Shout out Gino Smith, not writing back. He's doing well. He's got the Seahawks. Was that, was that uh, right good now for you? Yes, that was great. That was a fantastic answer. I appreciate that. Um, let's go to the Cardinals side because there's another team in this game, and that team is actually favored by three points. Uh, AJ, this is the first time the Cardinals have been favored in a game this season. They've had some tough matchups uh, against the Eagles, against the Raiders. Uh, like They've had some tough matchups, not been favored once this season. Here they are ahead of the Seahawks. Uh, what would you like to see from them 
in a game that they're favored in? I would like to see a fast start. I would like to see them get ahead. I'd like to see them score some first quarter, a first quarter touchdown. I think that's something that they should really be after. Um, I'd like to see them prepare for the return of, uh, of DeAndre Hopkins next week. I would like to see an offense that is ready to insert a playmaker and it change the outlook of this offense. It makes them the potent offense we were worried about. I mean, if you came into the season and thought about their, their weapons that they had, what James Conner did last season, the explosiveness of a uh, Rondell Moore, um, the, the the consistency of a Zach Ertz, and just you think you, you would look real nice waiting on a DeAndre Hopkins. They haven't. They haven't looked that great on the offensive side of the ball. It's been a lot of comeback. It's been a lot of Kyler – uh, Kyler Murray-esque type of heroics in the end of games, and I don't, I don't think you want that in a division rivalry game against Seattle Seahawks. They split this game, these games, uh, all of the last three years. This Seahawks team is coming in confident uh, as far as their offense goes, as far as their uh, belief in Geno Smith and what Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have been able to do. Ken Walker ain't worried about the fact that it's his first start. He's been a dog since he was in college. So, uh, well, sorry, his last like year in college. Um, so I, I think they need to look at getting after a fast start this week. And I think that's uh, going to be the, the formula for success for them. And, uh, I still think it's going to end up being a close game. Um, so let's go ahead with the Arizona Cardinals 24 to 21. Yeah. Um, get AJ's pick off my screen. Don't taint me with that, with that screen, uh, that screen of his pick. Beautiful. I'm said, taking well, said taint. <laughs> don't taint my, don't taint my, yeah, there we go. Get my pick up there. High scoring. Come on guys. Can't have a low scoring game in this game. Seattle Seahawks can't stop anybody. They couldn't stop me and me and Vinny playing t- touch football. So um, this one to me is, is the game that the Cardinals have to prove themselves. I think that the offense starts to click. I do think – I think it's actually been clicking. I think the offense is fine. You insert DeAndre Hopkins, now it gets to where it needs to be. Um, I think the Cardinals' defense is better than what it's been given credit for, and I think this is a high-scoring Cardinals side. I think this might be one of the biggest margins of the week. I think the Cardinals do go into Seattle and get this one done because if they don't, it might be it. It might be it. 37-23 Cardinals. Might be it. Okay. They got to right. win this – no, I agree. Yeah. They have to win. They have to win this game, and uh, that's game. What, we're gonna was, we're gonna oh, make man, it. I, I froze at the wrong time. You did. You did. We're, we'll make it I three at the straight wrong time though. because I said if, if Seattle wins this game, I'm sign me up. Like I'm signing on the dotted line. I'm on the Geno train. Choo choo. Put me uh, on the Geno uh, train uh, if they win this game. Choo choo. Smith, Kurt Warner esque season leads them to the Super Bowl and just hey. surprise shocks the world. Uh, hey, I have the. I have the Cardinals, though, here in this game, 31-28. I think Geno Smith and the offense continues to look good, um, and but the Cardinals end up winning because they're the better team. Uh, 31-28 to 28 Cardinals. Let's get into some Thursday night football action. It's the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles 4-1. and Sunday, one. Sunday one. night, fool. Sunday night, sorry. Sunday Fine night. Time. Come on, cut. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Disrespect my team like that, man. My bad. The Jim Dallas Walker Cowboys at four and one take on the five and zero Eagles on Sunday night prime time football. Here, uh, the Eagles are favored in this game, six points and an over under of forty two. Aaron's hyped. Aaron's hyped. He's ready. He's excited. Keep disrespecting us, ho. Keep disrespecting us. Six points. Whoa. God, that's just disrespectful. Wow. Disrespectful. <laughs> 
six points. Come on, man. Division rivalry with our defense, and they're going to give Philly six points. Listen, I, I know I, I, don't, I don't got a lot to say about this game. It's going to be it's going to be a good game, but it's not at full strength from from either side. So it, whatever. It's an early season game. This go a long way in determining division maybe later. I don't care. But six points. Come on, man. That's just disrespectful. Cowboys defense is legit. They're elite. They're one of the best in football. Um, this has to be a Cooper Rush thing because I don't think that if Dak Prescott was playing in this game that the Philadelphia Eagles would be six-point favorites. And I know they're the darlings of the league right now, but I really do think this is disrespectful. Um, yeah, it's uh, – come on, man. Just come on, man. Okay. Come on. All right. Well, the disrespect well. is there. Uh this this is two teams. You talked about how they're they're both banged up. No Dak in this game, but it's the it's the defense for Dallas that has been really leading the way. They have the best pass rush in the NFL, according to PFF. I'm going to bring this back up. PFF has the Cowboys as the best pass rush, uh, has the highest rated pass rush uh, in the NFL. But Can on I the ask other you something side, really about that though. On really the quick? other side, no, Eagles, I got a question for you. On the other side, the Eagles have the best PFF pass rushing grade. Uh, or pass protection grade, pass protection grade. What is your question? What? What? My what question do is: Did you need PFF to actually know that? I don't know. I have my I have my people. I don't I don't need that. I didn't need that stat. I didn't. No, need what it. I'm asking. That's what I'm asking you. Like we talk about PFF, you could watch the games and you knew that the Dallas Cowboys had the best pass rush in football. You didn't need PFF to tell you that. No, no, you're you're right. But I do need so PFF. To, I did. I did need PFF to tell me that the Eagles uh, lead 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 the league. Uh, in terms of pass blocking. Uh, okay, maybe I didn't need that either. Either way, Eagles have a great pass blocking system going on there. The Cowboys have a great pass rushing system going on there. AJ, which side do you give the edge to? Ooh, came to me with the edge. I thought you were going to go to the edge for, uh, oh, Mr. Cowboy nope. over there. No, nope, um, I got a Cowboys cool. special that's for him cool. later. That's cool. Okay, okay. Um, so are we talking specifically on the pass rush, pass protection yes, side? Yes. If that's the case, I'm probably going to give the edge to the Dallas Cowboys. And the reason being is because as, as instinctive as Jalen Hurts can be, as talented as he is with his legs, a team like Dallas has the capability to get him flustered when he is doing nothing but facing pressure, when he's doing nothing but facing that pass rush. I'm not saying he's not going to get out and make some plays with his legs. I'm not going to say he's not going to make some incredible throws on the run. We've seen him do it. He hasn't been the most accurate when he's making those throws on the run, uh, but he, he's he's got the talent, the capability, and the weapons in an A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and a Dallas Goddard uh, to, make some of the, to make some of those throws happen. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to uh, to Dallas when it comes to the pass rush side of things. Uh, but if he wants to make sure that he is able to beat that pass rush more often than not, he needs to rely on a check down to Miles Sanders, and he needs to rely on a security blanket of Dallas Goddard, both who have been pretty good for Miles Sanders up and down when it comes to the pass game. But we know he's capable of being better as a pass game. And I think if they utilize those two players at those points and times this week, uh, they'll be all right. Okay, on the Cowboys side, Aaron, you mentioned no Dak Prescott in this game. You're a little bummed out that you're not going to be able to see both these teams at full strength just yet. Uh, but Cooper Rush, five and zero as a starter with the Cowboys, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. He's looked he's looked fine. It's not there's no quarterback controversy. He's done exactly what he's needed to do. Give me three your three keys to this offense in this game against the Eagles for them to be run successful. The run the football. Um, don't turn the football over. 
Okay. I mean, it's, it's there. They're a basic offense without Dak Prescott. They're going to run the football. And don't don't turn it over and protect Cooper Rush and may hopefully convert short third downs. Um, this is a very simple game plan for Dallas when Cooper Rush is under center. So offensively, it doesn't matter. There's nothing. I don't think this game matters at all about the Dallas offense. I think it's going to come down to the question you asked AJ. And that's going to be the determining factor as far as who wins the matchup. Because if they can't get pressure on Jalen Hurts, the Eagles will win. If they do get pressure on Jalen Hurts, then it doesn't matter what the Dallas Cowboys offense does. And we've seen that. Saw it in the Bengals game. Saw it in the Rams game. That they don't have to be great on offense to win. They just need to be great at getting to the quarterback and not turn the football over offensively. And I think that's really what decides this game. Jordan Mailata's out for the Eagles. That could be – that's a big loss. That's why I said they're not at full strength either. Um even that offensive line, it's going to come down to that. The trenches is always what matters, but more so in this game because both of these teams rely heavily on the trenches. It's not Kansas City where you can window dress some things up and avoid, you know, some of those pressures. This is this is like Eagles saying, we protect Jalen, we run the football, and we can create big plays. That's our offense. Dallas is getting to the quarterback and disrupting what an offense wants to do. It's all about that O-line versus D-line, and that's the matchup that I'm watching the entire game. Like, I don't yeah. – I don't care about and, nothing and, else. And Jalen Hurts has not been the best when it comes to like performance when he's been pressured. He's got he's 22nd in the NFL in terms of passer rating when pressured, fifth in the NFL when not pressured. So it definitely comes down to that. Aaron, can you because it, because you didn't have the best question off the jump for that? What does how does Jalen Hurts and this offense react? Like what they need to do to be successful against that pass rush. Like what, what type of schemes give us like an X's and O's uh, type of answer uh, to battling again, uh, competing against this pass rush. Yeah, they need to, they need to stay patient with the run game. They need to run the football. Sometimes I saw it in a few games this year where they would, you mentioned they would go cold or they would stop scoring. Um, it's part a lot of this because they got so in love with the the big plays and the run and the pass game. They need to run the football. Dallas is not great against the run. Dallas has actually said like, Hey, we're willing to give up these rush yards to create big plays when a quarterback drops back to pass. And we know we can get to them. The Eagles run the football and control the time of possession. They are probably going to run down the throats of the Dallas Cowboys. Like if they just stay consistent with it, because it's going to force Dallas to change the way they want to play defense. They'll have to take those pass rushers out. They'll have to put these run stoppers in. And then that what happens? You run some play action. Now you don't have a pass rush and you hit those big plays over the top, forcing Anthony Brown and Diggs and them to cover for longer periods of time. So Eagles just have to stick with who they are. They got to stay with their game plan. They have to run the football um, over and over and over again get the Cowboys to buy into it and then hit them over the top. Um, and I think, honestly, I, I think they do it. I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles in this game without Dak Prescott being able to come back and, and, and force more pressure on the, on the Eagles defense, who's played really well. I think the Eagles win this game 23, 16. I do think it's going to be tough for both teams to score. Uh, but I think the Eagles pull this one out at home um, and they cover the spread 23, 16, even though it's a disrespectful spread. Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of what it like. It's, it is disrespectful, but it could end up happening. AJ, what about you? Um, I like points. I'm a, I'm a good points guy. Uh, I also am taking a, the Eagles in this game. I think they keep rolling a little bit tough. Uh, I'm going to go 28-27. Philadelphia Eagles kicker heroes. No chance in hell. That's that high? That is that high of a scoring game. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, this this should be the one that I reserve my right to change. <laughs> give I mean, me, if it is, it, still, I'll keep my eagle still. That's give me, give me 24-20. Drop it a little Oh, you bit. saw sick. 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 Uh, Eagles 24-20 in this game. I'm not going to – this was my original pick. This is what I'm sticking with. 24-20 It is not a high-scoring game. Uh, it does come down to the wire, though, uh, and I do think it's just going to – I think what we see in this game is uh, – almost puts the kibosh on everyone trying to force the narrative of Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott, quarterback competition, that laughable thing. Uh, I think at the end of this game, so you funny. see a failed drive, a failed two-minute drive uh, by Cooper Rush that doesn't get the Cowboys the victory here, and the Eagles win 24-20 to to remain uh, unbeaten in the NFL. They would go to 6-0. and That's our Week 6 NFC game recaps. We have one last bit of business to take, uh, take care of today. And that is our DFS plays for the Thursday night matchup between the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Oh, that's big. It covers your face, AJ. I'm not doing that graphic on here. Uh, but, but, okay. So, if you are new to the show, this is where we have our DFS plays. It's pretty simple. It's our DFS plays for this Thursday night matchup. This one might be a little bit more tougher uh, than any other game we have done because it's the Commanders and it is the uh, and it's the Bears. Not much talent going around here, but it's a thing. We got to do it. It's our DFS plays. Uh, gentlemen, what is, what's what's going through your minds right now? What Any players that stand out to you that's like a, a must-have in this game? Yeah. Um, a must-have in this game. Um, yeah. David Montgomery's I, on my – on my team, I'll tell you that. There's definitely, there's definitely must must haves. David Montgomery's a must have. Matter of fact, David Montgomery's my captain. Um, I thought about and, that. And then I told you Justin Fields was going to be. This is going to be his breakout game. Justin Fields is in my lineup. I also have, um, I also have Darnell Mooney. I also have J.D. McKissick and Curtis Samuel. Oh man! And my deep. Deep play was de- I was there was a debate. Um, it was either going to be it was either going to be Nikhil Harry because he's playing for the first time, uh, but I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Cam Sims of Washington mm-hmm. okay. um, and hope he catches a deep ball instead of Diami Brown. I know Diami Brown's banged up a little bit. Uh, maybe it's Cam Sims instead. Okay. All I right. decided not to go with any field goal kickers or defenses because I don't trust either those either. That's probably that's probably your best bet. That's probably the smartest move. I could have put Carson Wentz in my lineup, but eh, it's Carson Wentz. He's dealing with a little shoulder problem, and it's a little scary, yeah. and it's a weird. And uh, <laughs> I um, we, we we ended up differing a little bit at the end. I like Vinny. I have uh, Curtis Samuel as my captain. Uh, David Montgomery's my next running back. I did take Justin Fields in this game. I'm uh, I, I just have a good feeling about. It. I know he hasn't been great, but this is a a decent enough matchup where he can play quite well coming off his best game in the of the year. Uh, so I went ahead and got him with Darnell Mooney, and I did pick a defense. I got the Chicago Bears. Their past defense has been pretty great, and Carson Wentz was more than likely to turn the ball over one, two, who knows, maybe three times. Um, in my deep, deep play, uh, this is a dart throw, and uh, Logan Thomas is out, so give me the John tight Bates. end, John Bates, and uh, maybe he'll fall into the end zone and give me some love. 
I almost had John Bates in my lineup, but I decided not to. Yeah, yeah I, I went back a, and forth, but I eventually decided it was okay. That's not that's not a bad pick. As of right now, my lineup, as you can see on the screen, Curtis Samuel is my captain. David Montgomery. Uh, I gotta go with Brian Robinson. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna just go with my emotions there and just go Brian Robinson. <laughs> hope for the best here. Doubling down on him. Um, Justin Fields. I, my my dart throw for this for this Bears offense. Uh, is Dante Pettis. Um, he's been utilized before with his offense, even in, in its ugliness that it's been. Uh, look for him to have a, another day like that. And I'm like debating on my last pick uh, of this just because I don't know like where I want to go for a dark throw. Do what? Yeah, $8,900. What's he dark throwing for? Grab somebody yeah. worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if like I want to, like, I, I'm debating on going Khalil Herbert and be like, okay, one of these running backs is going to have a great day. Maybe it could be both of them. But let me ask you guys a question here. This is a, this is a DFS question for everybody playing on a Thursday night in a game where Carson Wentz is hurt. What are your thoughts on taking a quarterback, a backup quarterback? Like, do you guys ever That's think stupid. about that in a DFS play? Hell no. no. Okay. Not at all. Not okay, even a little bit. Just trying you, to. You would have to. You know what? If you're Aaron, you do because whatever quarterback he wants to take <laughs> is going to get hurt. So you can play that backup. True. <laughs> that is fair. That that is that is fair. I will uh, I, I will go with Khalil Herbert here and just submit my lineup. If I change it later on, I, in the day, I did change. change I did change something on my lineup. Oh. Yeah. What did you change? I'm changing um, Darnell Mooney to Cole, Cole Komet. Oh. And I'm changing, um, in turn, Cam Sims to Cairo Santos, the kicker for the Bears. Lots of changes. Oh, what made, what made you want to go the kicker route? Um, well, it actually made me want to go the Cole Komet route. I just I think today might be a, a day for Cole Komet. And then I had to adjust my salary from there, and it gave me a Gave him a kicker, ladies and gentlemen. It gave him a kicker. You know, he loves his kickers. Kicker, and I'm like, I need to talk because I, as I talk, the freezing ends. I do have the Bears winning this game, so I think there's going to have to be some field goals. There we go. All yeah. right, that that does it though uh, for episode 99. Uh, it's in the books. Our NFC game previews are done. Tomorrow we'll be back live at 10 a.m. Eastern time, bringing you the AFC matchups. Uh, we'll dive into those and recap the Thursday night football action. Until then, though, for your boy, AJ Johnson, for my best friend, Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Check the decoder. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs>